Learn the most advanced recruiting techniques. Land the most desirable talent. Launch your company towards massive success. This is the Higher Power Radio Show with Rick Gerard. Today we're talking about mistakes we as entrepreneurs make when building our companies. Our need to fill overrides our logic in determining the fit between both parties. And as a result, core values are often ignored. Assumptions, unclear expectations, and lack of diligence make for the perfect storm for a disastrous hire. Today's quote, hiring people is like making friends. Pick good ones and they'll enrich your life. Make bad choices and they'll bring you down. Any idea who said that, Mr. Eric Huberman? I'm not sure. It's Jason Freed. I don't know if he, he's an entrepreneur. Yeah, I know that name. Do you know? I know it too, but I don't. I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm Rick Gerard, and welcome to the Higher Power Radio Show. Our mission is to identify a specific problem and provide tactical solutions to solve your company's toughest hiring challenges. We share insights from top performing rebel entrepreneurs, disruptors, and industry experts, like our guest today, Eric Huberman. Eric is the founder and CEO of Hawk Media. Prior to Hawk, Eric founded and grew and sold two successful e-commerce companies. Uh, He's the recipient of numerous awards, including the Forbes 30 Under 30. I almost said 40. (laughs) Getting there. (laughs) I'm injecting myself there. Sorry. (laughs) Inc. Magazine's um, top 25 marketing influencers and the best biz in North America's marketing executive of the year. He's a regular contributor to major publications like Forbes, Entrepreneur, wait, CSQ. Uh, Huberman is also a well-known <laughs> keynote speaker. Wow, sorry, I just botched up your intro. No, you're fine. Eric, <laughs> I so don't even Eric, know where it came from. <laughs> Eric has hired a lot of people throughout his career, and this is what makes him the perfect guest today. We are going to actually be sharing a series that we started, and Eric's our first guest kicking off the series on experiences that you had early in your career um, in making hires that weren't the best hires. And I don't want to say sure. bad hires, but I want to say like, you know, just the wrong hire. Bad hire for you might be a great hire for someone else. Yep. So today we're going to break down one of your early hires. We're going to talk about the decisions that were made and what drove you to those decisions. And then we're going to talk about what we learned. Yeah. Sounds awesome. great. So let's talk about it. Walk us through the story of maybe the wrong hire you made. Yeah, and I don't want to say necessarily the wrong hire. It's just the wrong result um, because I don't know that in a different way of working it that it would have been the wrong hire. So um, we hired someone mm, okay. to run our marketing. And I'd say the first note on that and the uh, last statement that was made when it was over was, uh, if why would you get a dog if you're the one barking on the corner? Um, was always a great quote. It's like, um, that is my background is marketing. That is yeah. what I do. So why did I go and hire someone to run marketing? And part of it was at some scale, I need someone that's going to, uh, from a more senior strategic place, project manage. Like I'm throwing things at the wall, but I have so many other things going on as CEO that I can't be fully dedicated to just our marketing, even though I'm involved heavily. Let's talk about why did you, so you decided you needed to hire somebody Correct. because to scale. And it actually wasn't a job rec we had open. It was, I got introduced by a friend, mutual friend that I trusted, I still trust significantly. And he actually even takes this as like, he he's almost hurt by the fact that this didn't work out because he thought it was such a good setup. And again, I told him, I'm like, don't worry about it. It's not a big <laughs> deal. But it was... The guy sat in my office and his demeanor, his energy, his personality was just terrific. And his background on paper was 
stellar came from a company that he grew from small low nine figure business to a 10 multi 10 figure business that's billions and like just had a really good track record and felt like he fit from again a culture perspective he understood servant leadership which is a big ethos of ours it's there were a lot of pieces that were perfect and so when he was sitting there i was like you know and he was just it was literally just a meet and greet like hey you guys should know each other and then i'm like you looking for, he was looking for something and I'm like, what about here? And that's how the conversation started. And then we went through it and ended up hiring the guy. So you met the guy, you liked him. Walk me through the interview process. Was it just, Hey, let's hire you right away. Or did you no, guys put him through a process? Put him through a process. Okay. I, my partner interviewed him. Our HR interviewed him. He actually met with the whole team to see if there was a fit there. We talked about, we ended up like actually interviewing him. Like, don't get me wrong. There's other hires. I've made the mistake on not running through that process. Sure. Never ever skate that process, no matter how good the person seems. Like, yeah. That's, companies do that a lot with yeah. uh, employee referrals. Yes. That it's like, great, sounds often. good, throw yeah. him in. And it's like, don't, don't do that. But and, John knows him, we should hire him. Yeah, funny yeah. enough, that's the guy's name that introduced us. Um, <laughs> which, that's really funny. You just said that, I'm like, did I say John? Um, <laughs> no, I yeah, did. We, we did everything right there. And then I, the big mistake we made, and the biggest part of it was, we thought that this guy had such great experience that he would come in and just be the silver bullet that would take over our marketing. Like he could take it day one and boom, let's just trust him and go. And so again, like a little starstruck. I don't want to say starstruck. Um, part enamored. Of was, no, no. Like we just, I, I, I still think the guy is really bright. It, yeah. it doesn't, that didn't change. It was, uh, what I've realized is junior hires, when you hire someone very junior and new, they take a lot of training. And you have to spend a lot of time getting them up to speed and how they, how sometimes it's even how to be a professional, let alone like how to do the skills you need, how, like, even if they come from a few years experience, like you got to really spend some time with that person. Absolutely. You hire an executive, double or triple that time. I can get a junior marketing person ramped up and doing good work in three months. It takes me nine to 12 months to see value out of an executive that fits what we're paying them and fit gets the time. And that what that is, is it just takes a long time to get their arms around everything we're asking them to do. They're still just another human being. And even if they have experience and background, they might hit the ground running with certain aspects very quickly, but they're not going to know the nuances of your business. And so my mistake here w- was we hired this guy and I was like, great, he knows B2B marketing better than many, most people go do whatever you want to do, man. Like, you know, so you just gave him the reins. Go to for go it. With it. Yeah. Here's your budget. Here's your goals. Go make it happen. And thought that was a great idea until he double spent the budget in the first quarter. So he went way over budget because he was looking at his annual budget. Because when you come from a multi-billion dollar company, you look at your annual budget. We haven't raised any money. So we have cash constraints. We have to, we have cash flow issues. And so not issues, but like constraints. And so we have to be responsible. And all of a sudden I look at our budgets at the end of Q1 and I'm like, what the hell? You spent half of our monthly budget on a project and then still spent everything else. He's like, yeah, but we have this budget for the year. Like, we're fine. Like, no, we still need to make money to pay for that. Like, we're not sitting on tens of millions of dollars in the bank either. And again, not his fault. My fault, even though I I had thought I had triculated a monthly budget, he looked at it as my annual budget, which is normal for someone coming from that space. And he also... Oh, so he was thinking that what you put out <laughs> was an annual budget and that was what he got to spend monthly. Partially. I mean, okay. he kind of knew about the cash flow, but it wasn't completely clear. That's like, yeah. no, 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 no. And I told, I was pushing him like, hey, if you can accelerate this faster, go for it. Like there were six mistakes like that. And again, back to the main mistake, I didn't spend time with him. Don't get me wrong. I threw stuff at him. I, li- I was in their marketing meetings sometimes. I listened to him, but it wasn't like I was hand in hand in the trenches with him figuring it out until I saw that he had picked up what I'm laying down. Like I was more like, go for it. I've got other shit to do. And 
that was so it doesn't yeah. sound like it was necessarily a bad hire correct it was it was actually maybe a premature hire you know maybe at a point where you were a little bit larger and you had a larger budget and you can spend more time with him then it would be a more appropriate hire no because it was also like he would have been like from a salary perspective and budget perspective we were fine it was more the no. i needed to show him the con- like how we needed to work meaning like we also he started investing in things that would pay off in three years I don't have that kind of time right now. I need things to pay off a lot quicker. You know, going and having a $50,000 booth at a trade show that gets us no real sales. But yeah, we get in the market. That really isn't useful to to me right now. I get the benefit. I get, especially at a bigger scale, the benefit. But right now, that doesn't help me. And so a lot of the, and we're not, we don't have unlimited resources. So those resources that went to stuff like that, were not going to things that actually drive new business quicker. And so... It was, again, we could have probably gotten aligned, but by the time I realized it was so off the rails, I had to make a bunch of very drastic changes very quickly, and that was part of it. So it sounds to me, though, that this is really more of a situation of good guy, wrong timing in in the company life cycle, right? Maybe like when you're a $100 million company or $200 million company. We've made the mistake. Again, I don't think it was the timing thing, because I think the guy could have gotten in line with what we have. I think it was a time thing. It was not spending the time because the guys, he didn't need to work that way. He wasn't, you know, and part of it was too, like there were, there were other things that it just wasn't a fit from the way he worked. So, you know, in terms of the the way he thought about marketing versus the way I thought about marketing, and there, like, there was definitely a little bit of a misfit too. But again, he he was great at his last job. And well, it's let's talk about company. that because yeah. that's kind of an interesting point. In the interview, could any of that been brought out? Did you guys see any we, signs that maybe there was a mismatch? No, because when we talked in the interview, the way we, he talked about it was the way I talk about it. Okay. So that's that's the issue I always find is like interviews can only go so far. Like you, you try to do what you can, but that's also, I, I think a lot of companies spend a lot of time trying to weed out in the interview process and what we found and maybe we're wrong, but what I found is other than character and like, you know, culture fit and those kind of things and some little bit of skill sets, like some of it is you do have to kind of get in and work with the person. It's really hard to sit in a room and talk to someone and know everything about them. But you can get evidence to back. And I think that's where we miss the mark a lot of times. Sure. Companies tend to confuse behavioral with situational questioning. Like, yeah. how would you handle a situation like this, which is yeah. hypotheticals? Yeah. I hear, I've heard that a lot throughout my career. Yeah. What ends up happening is that you're not really getting true evidence. You're just getting kind of what a lot of times people who are intuitive what will you, feed yeah. you back what they think you want to exactly. hear. Exactly. Yeah. And in his situation, it was more like we had m- multiple com- comfortable conversations that were pretty open because it was originally not an interview. And so it was like, I wanted to see if he was a self-starter, if he th- how he thought about marketing. And so he talked to me a lot about, and I kept probing, the kind of initiatives he started at his company and what kind of marketing initiatives he built out and how they turned out and how he, what failure looked like, what success looked like. All of that checked the boxes. So it was the things he actually did, how he built his team, what he thought about, how he looked at marketing. Like those were actually on point. What was he looking for though? If he were to be able to design his, you know, his ideal scenario, what would what yeah. was that looking like to, for him? To build something exciting and be on a rocket ship. I mean, I think is exactly yeah. the words he used, which Got is it. what we were in the de- definition he was looking for. But great example, he came in and hired eight people off the bat to a team that had no like two people, drew it to eight. immediately didn't get his arms around it didn't figure out like what's working was not just went this is the team i need and that's where the big company to little company thing comes in it's like okay that that, that must have freaked you out a little bit just a little bit i was still (laughs) i'm not i'm not that control freak which is very i know rare for an entrepreneur i'm actually very happy to go like you have your constraints you know what you're supposed to be within if that's where you think you should spend your money and you're a smart person go and i try to give them the reins sure and 
that's frankly a big reason we've grown so fast is I give a lot of people the reins and that definitely causes pain points along the way too. But the balance is we've also been the fastest growing marketing company in the country. So we'll take it. Letting people take ownership and drive it. Yeah. And sometimes that person, you bet on the wrong horse and you need to make an adjustment. And now I've realized it's not about giving and like, like once they're at a certain point, let them run with it. But even like, actually he can hear this, our VP of sales, great guy, super bright, way more successful than I am. And there are things that he nuances and things that we disagree on that I still have to spend a decent amount of time getting on the same page. It is not a jab at him at all. Like he's great, but there are alignments and things that I know and nuances about the business from first off starting it, second off being in it for five years that are still getting up to speed and simple things like to get into the detail on our sales team, he started celebrating these big one-off contracts, even though our business traditionally is recurring. And I was like, explained to him like, Hey, these big one-off contracts versus the LTV of just a small contract that recurs is way lifetime value. You know, try not to use too much, too many acronyms, <laughs> the lifetime value of a contract that we sign for four to $8,000 recurring because of our retention is way better than signing a one-time $40,000 contract. We Got don't it. keep people five months. We keep them more. So it's like, we, I'd rather go for these. Like, sure, celebrate these big hits. I get it. I don't want to discount the fact that it's nice to get those deals in. But from a business sustainability standpoint, I'd rather the small recurring stuff because we have to do this big ramp up of people. And then they come, you know, two months later, they don't need the work anymore. And it's like, that's not as helpful. Yeah. They become project based becomes problematic for the business. Correct. And so that's just a conversation. That's not because he's not smart. That's not because he doesn't get it. That's and his response was no, I know, but you get someone in that's willing to spend 40 grand. It's not hard to upsell them on an eight grand recurring. Totally makes sense. But those are the conversations that we both need to have constantly to be on the same page, to continue to push in the same direction. If I take my foot off that and I just go do my thing, there's going to be six months from now where he's started to run in that direction for maybe for forgotten one aspect of what I'm watching. And now we're in a whole wrong direction. And that's so, what so I think the important point here is that you're keeping the communication going. I mean, you're, yes. you're the one who's having to drive the effort or make the effort to make sure that you guys are in alignment. Yes. Your yes. job as the CEO is to make sure that you're in alignment. You're steering the ship. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. You're the captain. And yeah, you know, and that's the, something that my COO and I, even though we literally work at opposite ends of our office right now and see each other maybe a couple days every other week, we talk almost every day. And like the outcome of that is I mean, 99.9% of the time, we are already aligned before we talk. Hey, this is going on. What do you think about this? Yep, already doing that. Great. Sounds good. Like, it's like, it, it's <laughs> so almost just comical. Check in. Yeah. And, right. But because it, part of that is because we keep checking in. That one little, like, I don't know if I agree because of this saves a whole bunch of headache that could grow into something bigger. If you're just joining us on the live stream or the podcast or on Facebook Live, uh, you're listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. I'm Rick Gerard, and our guest today, we're talking to Eric Huberman, who's the founder and CEO of Hawk Media. I want to shift gears a little bit. Sure. What about somebody that you hired in the past that maybe was just a complete mishit? As an entrepreneur, did you make a hire based on, oh gosh, got money, I need to hire based on skills, this guy has it, let's just take a mm, shot. Trying to think, yes, is the answer. I'm just yeah. trying to think of a good example. Because <laughs> I find that oh, yeah, every entrepreneur does it, yep. right? And I'm trying to get entrepreneurs to look at it from a more, okay, look at, I, I know I need to get this work done, yep. but I also need to protect my culture. Yeah. Or what I'm trying to build here. So it's still Hawk Media. I mean, we have had other, in my ba- other companies, we made bad hires too, but Hawk Media is, I've made, 300 hires. So there's, it's easy to talk about. Sure. Um, the first, so I hired seven people originally to build my team that became Hawk Media. Out of those seven, 
one was left in six months. So everyone always talks about this. Did you hire friends, buddies? Arms reach. Yeah. You know what? Hey, that's been my problem too. I've hired friends and it's never worked out for me. And not friends. I've done that too. That's a whole other pain point. Not friends in the sense of like, these are close friends, like college buddies that I'm like, hey, come work for me. It was more like people I knew in the industry that were buddies that I I knew they knew what they were doing. And I was like, I know you already. I don't have time to go interview because I'm trying to build this thing. Like, I know you know media buying and you know email marketing. And you're like, just come, come on, we'll figure it out. That was, there was no interview. It was just like, yeah, sure, come on. And what I found was the first two people to leave, the first one after a month got an email on a Monday morning that said, hey, Eric, long story short, fell in love on Saturday, to, asked her where in the world she wanted to go. She said, Hawaii, we're here now. I'll be working remotely. <laughs> he then, I'm gonna, you realize when you don't have any sort of interview process and you hire that way, yeah. people just don't take you seriously. Exactly. That's exactly it. There was, it was just an unprofessional setting yeah. because of me too, because I didn't set a professional tone. And then, yeah, he ended up blowing off all his clients, telling me to back off because he was getting married and to leave him alone. He got married that week in Hawaii, Mazel Tov. And, uh, <laughs> and then the, another guy that called me like a month and a half in, that was our media buyer and said, hey, Eric, I'm not going to launch any of our ads we promised to clients today unless you double my pay. Ooh, hostage situation. Yeah. And I was like, that's really funny. You forget that I know exactly how to do your job. So uh, yeah. And I was just like, all right, sounds good. Hung up blocked him out of everything and just launched everything myself. And it took me half an hour. It was like this, it, it was so ridiculous, but yeah, I mean, the, and you nailed the problem. I brought people in. I didn't make them feel like they were getting a job and make them feel like I was the boss. Yeah. I was just like, Hey, we're this collaborative, like come join me, whatever. And I've even seen and that. And that's a big mistake that a lot of startups make. hundred percent. You know, they take it too nonchalantly. Do you have to treat it like a business? Yep. You have to put everybody through a formal interview process, at least. Yes. At least some resemblance of one so they take it serious. And and I don't think even some resemblance. I think especially if you know them already, you have to do it. And you have to clarify that we need to go through our process to make sure that this is done right. And like, if they're the right friend to join you or the right person you already know to join you, they're going to respect that. Because if they don't respect you, then they shouldn't be there anyways. And that's actually the issue you run into is, don't get me wrong, my friends respect me, but not on a professional level. Yeah, They respect me as their buddy and their friend and they love me and all that. But like, I love it. But my college friends all like, I'm the butt of every joke. And like my cousin loves to ask if I have an accordion business card because I need to like roll it out. And so <laughs> it's like, it's funny, but if that he ever came to work for me, that is still the sentiment that he'd be coming in with. Like Jesus, Eric, the guy that starts 10 businesses. Like, You know what I did was after I made a bad hire with one of my friends, yeah. I created an expectations document so that if I'm going to align with anybody else who's kind of a peer at that level, mm. I'm going to have them fill it out. I'm going to fill it out yeah, so that we can run through exactly what I expect out of you, what you expect yeah. out of me, what I am going to do, what you're going to do, what you're going to be responsible for. And what's interesting is that if people put it down on paper, they take it a lot more serious. Yep. If they don't, then they don't give a shit. And they don't th- care. the only time you have problems with people that you already respect and are friends is when expectations were misaligned. It's 100% accurate. And I found that like we just don't communicate that well enough. Yeah, totally. Yeah. As people, yeah. The onboarding process, which is really what we're talking about with, yep. with the first guy. I'm jumping back to that. Yeah. You just didn't do a proper onboarding with him. Do you think that if you would have done things differently, that maybe he would have been a successful hire? Yeah, because I mean, the the biggest thing that happened was the overhiring of the team and the overspending that like we couldn't sustain, and so I had to like rip it fast. Yeah, because we're if we went another month spending this money, it was just bleeding and it wasn't producing. That was a problem yeah. because his payback period in his mind was a year. Like if he if the if we by the end of the year had the results we needed, great. And he thought, you know, he was showing me numbers that he was doing well. And I'm like, we were so misaligned. So yes, if I'd spent time to make sure that he understood that it was on a monthly basis, we were talking about, because we're still new, 
not an annual basis, we would have been probably fine. Have you ever made the mistake of selling perks? We had free uh, lunch. Our, you know, we, yeah, great. <laughs> you know, you're, we have you, a you know pool what you're table. About. Yeah. Yes. Uh, I haven't because I, I know intuitively that's not the way to do it. Our recruiting team at a point where we really needed to get people in, we were way behind on staffing, uh, started selling the perks and like, hey, we're the best place to work. And we have exactly the ping pong table and all this stuff. And what we did was bring in a generation. Not A lot of people are great, but a few people that were there for all the wrong reasons. And like they thought that their measurement of we literally have a negative glass door review right now from a current employee who I already called out publicly, not knowing who it is, that's a three out of five because we don't have kombucha on tap. <laughs> if that highlights what's wrong with hiring for those perks, uh, yeah. you know, it, I have it. I know you're sitting with it right now. Right? It's, and listen, it's great. The, the yeah. health aid founders are friends. It's a, no. it's a good thing. I told them I would never, I don't know if I can swear, but I did swear in front of my team and was like, I will never have kombucha on tap in the office. Then of course, turns you out- You can swear if you like. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So yeah, I showed up in front of the entire company and said, we're never getting fucking kombucha on tap now. <laughs> Whoever said that, you just ruined it for everyone. And then of course, my team went and got us kombucha on tap. So that's how much power I had over that. Um, no, it's fine. And we, you know, we're moving into this whole new headquarters and really are trying to, we, we do want to have the perks because our view of like what we're doing is like, it should be fun. It should be enjoyable. There should be those perks. But if you're coming going to work because of kombucha and pay, you're going to be miserable. You've got to be coming because you're aligned with our company. Yeah. And if you're relying on those as recruiting tactics, that's no, a really, really, really bad, bad idea. Yeah. No, we do the opposite. We've trained yeah. for the opposite and we're really trying to push the opposite, which is scare the hell out of them in the interview. This is going to be the hardest you've ever worked. This is going to be the longest you've ever worked. This is going to be, you know, it, you're going to learn a ton. And, and focus on the job. You're going to learn a ton. You're going to enjoy yourself. You're going to be surrounded by bright people, but you're going to have times where you're tearing your hair out. You're going to be dealing with clients that are volatile because they're passionate about what they're doing. Like understand what you're getting into and be very clear. And if you're excited about working hard and dealing with difficult people and working through hard problems, this is going to be great. If yeah. you're not, you're going to burn out in six months, which we've watched happen way too many times. If you can go back and tell Eric from five years ago when you started up the company, what advice you'd have in hiring? Yeah. What would that be? Yeah, you've nailed it. I mean, number one, stick to a hiring process that makes sense. Continue to obviously improve it, but stick to a process, make it professional so that people feel like... And they by are the way, in the beginning, any process is better than no Correct. process. Yep. And going to Starbucks is not a process. No. No, yeah. no, 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 no. You have to have like a real game plan and thought through strategy as to how you're hiring. That's important. And then number two, again, the more senior the person, the more time you need to spend with them. Excellent. Yeah. All right. So we're just about out of time for today's show, Eric. It goes by fast. Yeah. <laughs> um, so thanks for your time investment today. And I yeah. want to welcome you to the Higher Power Radio community. Thank you for having um, me. Now, what would be the best way for uh, members of our community to reach you? Yeah. Any social media is just at or slash Eric Huberman, E-R-I-K-H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N. And then your company is Hawk, H-A-W-K-E. -E. Yeah. Media. Okay. All right. I want to thank our listening audience for tuning in to this week's episode of Higher Power. A quick thanks to our team, our engineer, Paul Roberts, our producers, Andrea Ballin, Shanti Ryle, and Ailey Gerard. If you're listening to the podcast, please subscribe, review, and share. We need your feedback. So, uh, Give us some feedback. You can join the Higher Power Radio community at Hire, that's H-I-R-E, Power, P-O-W-E-R, Radio, R-A-D-I-O dot com. Or you can follow me on Instagram at Rick Gerard one or on LinkedIn, and I'm Rick Gerard, obviously. Tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Ernie Basuto. He is the Director of Human Resources for Antis Roofing and Waterproofing. I am your host, Rick Gerard, and you have been listening to the Higher Power Radio Show. Aloha. 
Thank you for listening to Higher Power with Rick Gerard on OC Talk Radio.